here. Uh, not that I don't enjoy hanging out with you, but yeah, it's June 25th, Jeff Cohen, um, on the Fat Lonely Bitch podcast. I don't really have a format or an intro to this really. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've listened to the other ones. I'm going to do a little better this season. You're number one. I am going to try a little better this season to do a little more production value, uh, which would be some at all. Uh, I just recorded them last. I was like in the middle of the pandemic. I was super stoned most (laughs) of the time. And so I just, but I do throw it up there without any editing. I'm not going to edit this down. Uh, So anything you say just, you know, is going to go out onto the internet. No one's going to listen to it, though, most likely. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm going to talk shit about every Denver comment. (laughs) Well, please do. It might actually get some people to listen to it. I just want to say that um, Aaron Maslow, you're a real piece of shit. No, no, I, I tease. Aaron is... Like love personified, yeah, Aaron's you know he's amazing. such a I've, I've such a great guy. Been in his presence a couple times, but, but you know what? Not, like each not time per- has been lovely. But yeah, but you know how like like if it was pure love, that's that's too sugary, too sweet. I don't know about yeah. you, but like I like dark chocolate because that's not a euphemism. I mean, literally, dark yes. chocolate has a little bitterness to it with the sweet, and that's what I think Aaron Maslow is. He's not full. Milk chocolate like, and too much, you know what I mean? It's there's I'm some like baking chocolate. Baking chocolate. Oh, like you think? I have to. That was a fist bump. Yeah. I like baking chocolate too because. But there's no sweet in baking chocolate. There's, but I like it anyway because you get the whatever it's that like, is. There's a chemical. No, you're in like chocolate. you're like mmm chocolate. That's what I am. Like, look, she looks sweet and cuddly. Oh, oh. I, okay. And then you're like, ugh, this is bitter. Yeah, Damn, no, no, no. It fooled I, me. That that's true. I guess. On baking chocolate. Um, you know how. Baking chocolate and cocoa has percentages. That's what makes it dark chocolate or yeah. bitter or sweet. Yeah. Like milk chocolate has zero percent or ten percent cocoa. I, yeah. I want that. I want like seventy percent. So there's just just enough sweetness, you know. Yeah. But, but I too, mean, I can. What I'm trying to say, Aaron Maslow, you're sweet, but you're not too you're sweet. You're not too sweet. You are um, dark chocolate, baby. Yeah, but You're not like, bitter, not bitter. Like like the good stuff, like that premium dark chocolate, not that Dollar Tree dark chocolate, you know? Yeah. Hey, by the way, um, don't knock the Dollar Tree, though. He, no, um, I love the Dollar there's Tree. There's one right in my neighborhood. He's, yeah, he's a real... This he's is going to sound so weird, we're calling Aaron Maslow he's, dark chocolate. He's forever, <laughs> he's like a Ferrero Rocher dark chocolate, you know? That, I'm assuming that's like a fancy... They're uh, the little uh, foils, and they got nuts on them, and they're uh, like little... The little things. Oh, like, hey. they, got a, they got a hazelnut inside. See, while we're talking... But they're of, covered in dark chocolate. Okay, right. But let me let me put out a pitch. Um, I have a friend back in... Well, we knew each other in Madison, Wisconsin, but he's in, I think, de, based in Des Moines, Iowa, and he runs Chocolatery Stam, S-T-A-M. Mm. It's, a, it's a Dutch family. Uh, his name is... Well, officially, I guess it's Antonius Stam, but it's Tan... To me and uh, those of us who know him, so go check out Chocolatery Stam, and they have like the, the, it's it's amazing stuff. It? They have their main thing is Des Moines, Iowa, but oh. they have like sh- they have like smaller shops around the country. I think there's one in Madison. I'm not sure, but they deliver. I love I'm not getting paid to do this. That just popped in my head. For I love Madison. It's Madison's so cute. A great town. Oh, the cheese. But Have you done comedy? I did. I did a festival in Madison. Wow. My first festival was Art of... Not Art of Comedy. It was uh, Lady Laughs Comedy Festival. Well, where then, was the... Uh, 
Where were the venues? Like, were they The downtown? one I was at was Plan B, which is like a gay club. Okay. Not familiar with it. I, yeah. But I haven't been... It's I used to fun. live there, but that was like 30 years ago, so I don't know venues that well. I went and looked at the state capitol building, because that's like a thing I like to do whenever I'm in a state capitol. I like to oh, yeah. visit the state capitol building, and there's this... It's fucking gorgeous. It's 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 one of the more amazing. It's not real buildings. tall, but it is so beautiful inside. The paintings and the woodwork and the fucking marble and shit. It's gorgeous oh, yeah. in there. It's just, and then State Street. Rich white of guys know how to do how to build a Capitol building. <laughs> I tell you. But yeah. So uh, anyway. But um, yeah. So we're at Infinite Pie in Wheat Ridge, where there's going to start a Monday mic at seven for now eventually it is gonna once things start back up again it'll be moved to five which was the original plan um because irish rover oh yeah and then what i'm gonna do at this mic is like if you sign up for this mic and you tell me you want to go to irish rover i'm just gonna send orin a list of those people that's good idea yeah i i'm yeah because i i know you want you're gonna want to hit both i want to hit both you know and so i'm gonna i'm gonna so they can come from us and go over there and then go to Lion's Lair back when, if things ever start back up again. Yep. But for now, it's at seven uh, online signups preferred. I mean, if there's spots available, I'll post in the event. Hey, there's five right. open spots, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, um, there's going to be shows every Saturday. That's, I'll say, there's uh, the first Saturday is going to be Aaron, um, not Aaron Maslow, huh? No, um, Aaron Wentz. Has a show on the first Saturdays. I have the second Saturdays. Um, Hi, Aaron Wentz. By the way, I, I saw him at Lions Lair this past week. There was no mic yet, but they're open oh. with limited capacity. But I went in. There he was. There was Truffs, man. It was the great. Truffs. We we talked all philosophical. <laughs> And I'm like, for me, I'm considering maybe tiptoeing into shrooms or something. And he goes, "Oh, bro, oh, yeah, you should, are man." You, you, I just they'll they'll like totally like yeah, and so I don't know. By I'm, myself, I shroomed by myself. I that's shroomed how by I myself, might do it. And I got do you lost microdose in my, or? No, I I I dosed. I have microdose, but you don't. I don't feel anything. You don't really feel anything. I've never done microdose. it, so I, I want to tiptoe into it. Yeah, the problem is, is if you don't do enough, then you're in this half high, half not high state, and that's when you fucking can be weirded out because uh, you're you need to be so high that you 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 give in and you don't care. You know what I mean? And so I just yeah. stared at a tapestry for hours. Um, and I got lost in my tapestry. That's I do that bed. anyway. Yeah. And then, yeah, I got lost in the tapestry. And I was just laughing. And I just felt love and beauty. I was wow. just, I felt just surrounded in love and beauty and happiness for like four hours. They don't last very long too. So if they do suck, that's the thing. It's like, it's like four to six hours. So it's kind of like a cuddle party with no people. If you can find other people to shroom with that enjoy physical touch while they're shrooming, it can be a seriously good love-inducing cuddle party for sure. Wow, that might be too much. I need one or the other. I don't think yeah. I could do both of those yeah. things together. You have a, yeah, you feel enough love without the via cuddling without the shrooms. So you're not completely dead inside yeah. like I am? I'm, well, I might be dying, but I'm not dead oh, yet. Oh, I think I'm dead inside now, Jeff. I think it finally happened. I, I wondered how I, it what hadn't was it? happened What was already. the triggering event or I don't events? Know. It, was just, it was just, you know, there's obviously my ex and my daughter is like the huge crack that started me down the road of being dead inside for sure, you know. Um, you know, and I healed that up as best I could, but yeah, just too much leaked out, and I'm dead inside. I can't feel anything for like a... 
I don't feel an emotional connection to anyone anymore, no matter, it doesn't, I, I don't know what's, like the guy I'm dating now, like our sex is so amazing, like uh, things I've never done before. It's, it's great, but wow. he's so fucking boring. Well, you know what, the best sex I've ever had was devoid of emotion, too. Um, I know, I mean, there's emotion <laughs> there in the sex and stuff. I'm kidding, I, I like intimacy. Once so anyway. the sexy stuff starts, there is an intimacy, and there is a connection, and there is an understanding, and there is all these things. It's just like... Outside of that, he's so boring. He's already repeating stories. We've had four dates. Mm. He's already repeating stories. He just his he talks about work. He's the GM of a pizza place, or he talks about his family, which is great. I love that he loves his family, but he hasn't done anything. He has no stories. He never. He's never. He doesn't. Do you want someone so with stories? Boring. I just want someone who's not, who's interesting to talk to. At least he doesn't have hobbies. He doesn't have interests. That, we don't yeah. talk about politics. We don't so, talk about anything. It's I know, so like boring. I, I, I had a, I had a girlfriend years ago who could basically talk about three things, and I'm not into any of those three things. Well, <laughs> I mean, I love listening to him talk about his family and getting to know him like that. It's an important to know his background and you know and stuff like that. So that's fine. It's just that that's all we've talked about. Like, there's no... You might want to drop one of those probing questions in, in in a moment where, you know, the guard's down and you can be like, what are, what are your dreams for the future? Like, where do I've you see... i asked him. Oh, have you, have you done the job in the... Where do you see yourself oh, yeah. in five years? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, tough... we've discussed it. He doesn't have any. Well, that's... Uh, boy. Well, I he, hope He just you... wants to continue to... I mean, he wants to go to school to be, an, be a mechanical engineer or something, but that's not going to make him any more exciting. You know what it might be? Maybe College he's just a very... Maybe he's a very left-brain kind of... I just think he hasn't done anything. Okay. How old is he? He's 32. Young? That's pretty young. He's got a kid and stuff. He's very mature. He's very stable mentally and financially. See, that's the problem. Like, us creative types, is. we... Are, is that depression I, I think, a little? Well, that might be make it interesting. <laughs> so yeah, I'm endorsing depression. This is um, let's talk about mental health. I just, um, I'm writing a book on mental health yeah. uh, for because I've what I've been through personally is that uh, you know I, it, I I was diagnosed with severe depression back in the late 80s and then I realized that I was just bored <laughs> yeah I think that's uh, what his problem is I don't think he's depressed I think he just needs to go do something he doesn't well, do anything here's the thing though us guys are in general tend to be wired toward achievement and if you don't achieve or if you're not like doing something that is like real to you or expresses your own passion yeah. there's all that energy that builds up and then it gets toxic you know you start Either shutting down, yeah, I think and he's but I don't, I, I don't want to talk shit about. I'm not. Like, no, I'm saying like it, it is possible that maybe someone such as myself could, with patience and care, expose him to things to where he does have. I think like maybe going to college would help because like when you go to college, you learn about all these things that you didn't know about. I mean, college yeah. really helped me be more interesting, you know, and, and because you, it you made think me, anyway. <laughs> well, no, because it I'm gave teasing. it gave me interest. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And so he has no interests because he's not exposed to things to say, oh, I'm interested in that. No, you're very... That's so true is that when I... Uh, my limited college experience, uh, art school... <laughs> yeah. It was... Um, I mean, it really opened my, my world, you know? Yeah. And um, it, it was like... It was weird, though, because... 
like, um, I don't know, I kind of feel like it brought me more in touch with my core values, if anything else. So, yeah. Um, I had friends from my hometown that were, they were like, oh, you're going out to Denver, Colorado for art school? Oh, man, they're going to they're gonna indoctrinate you in, into... Um, Here's good. Oh, here we Thank go. Thank you. Yeah. Is that the garlic one? That's the garlic one. Okay, thank you. But yeah, I think that creative creative people naturally seek out experiences, I think. You know what I mean? Like, they're not happy just going to work and sitting at home, they're, and they don't need someone to guide them into experiences. They just end up having experiences yeah. just because that's kind of the nature of their personalities is to seek out experiences. Um, yeah, so I, I think that he doesn't have any, he's not a creative person. He's not, he's a mechanical engineer type person. You know what I mean? But the sex, the sex is amazing. Like, <laughs> like this whole sub-dom thing's happening and I don't know what to do. I mean, I, do, I know what to do. I'm just weirded out that I enjoy it. <laughs> Like, I called him daddy organically during sex. Oh, sub, uh, submissive dominant. Yeah, I'm, I'm the submissive. I see. Which, as you know me, you could see how that would be making me go what? Um, but just to yell out that. It makes sense. But just to yell out daddy in the middle of sex, though. I've always been rather submissive in bed with men anyway, but just to be like, yes, daddy. Like, it just came out of my mouth. So primal. It's like yeah. triggered, like, his dominance sparks... This internal thing and that, that his, defies logic, probably. He's, right. my, he, he's in my phone as Sir Daddy Patrick, and I'm his, Damn. I'm his, his dirty princess slut. He calls huh. me a princess and tells me I'm a good girl. I love it. Wow. He's like, good girl, good girl. I'm taking mental notes here. Good to... girl. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm a good girl, Daddy. What? I mean, I had a great relationship with my dad. I called him Daddy. Is that why I'm enjoying this? Which makes me weirded out that I have sexual pleasure know. from it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how all that stuff works. <sighs> I feel like it's I tapping think... into something that I had with my father, which is why is that also turning me on? I don't get it. I just want to be protected well, and loved like my daddy loved me. You see, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're actually confirming things that I see all the time. Yeah. Is that because there's this deep need for, like, security, like you said. Yeah. And then to have somebody who is kind of a rock with that. Yeah, he's very you, you, solid. You can sort of let go. Whereas if, if you had like an insecure guy that was, um, well, do you want to maybe um, sort of... Or a guy you're, that you're was like, a piece of shit that I couldn't respect as an adult. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that might tap into a different thing. I respect him as an getting... adult. He's a grown man. I mean, right. I know he's 32 and he's young, but he, he's the GM of a thing. He takes care of his kid. He's do, he's, he pays his bills. He has a nice car. He's taking care of his shit. He's a grown fucking man. He's an adult, you know, and so I think that really helps. Hell yeah. But the other situation is, too, is like... What do I do now? It just doesn't work out with this guy, which is probably not because I'm I'm already like getting bored of just spending time with him. And um, yeah, well, maybe come to an agreement where ask him if he'd be willing to. Hey, let's define it as this, but I won't the, work well with that. Really? We just, okay. I'm just gonna keep fucking some with, people. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep fucking him until I it, the sex isn't good anymore. And then I'm going to leave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because then I'll have no reason to be around. Or maybe he'll I mean, get more exciting. I don't know. Maybe. You know what? Here's something Thank you. that oh. you may have experienced before. But I, the relationships that... I, I haven't really been in a relationship for a long time because pursuing my art and my comedy has been 
my relationship, and I love it. But but but, but, but anyway, the the relationships that I was in years ago, um, you know, they went in stages. There was like that hot, crazy chemistry, and not just sexually, but like you're like, oh my god, this person's so wow, wonderful, Mm -hmm. and they're hitting all my buttons, and I'm hitting all theirs, and then that that lasts three or four months, and then you go through phase two, which I and oddly enough. The, the first of those girlfriends actually um, taught me that that what the five stages of a relationship are yeah and it's it's the honeymoon phase then phase two is the conflict phase most people don't survive that but if you get through that then the third phase is like intimacy and that's huge because now you're deeper with that person and you can last a long time and then fourth I think is boredom or something and then fifth is trust and then she jokingly said and sixth is divorce <laughs> so I, I just I yeah. looked at that whole thing and I'm like eh, you know what I'm just going to skip right to the divorce um, I, I just really... don't see me being able to get to the get past the conflict stage if I because I'm in the beginning stage I, I don't have the emotional connection with them that I used to have so well, when conflicts arise, I'm like, peace. That's how you frame it, though. I mean, what are you in the relationship for? Because most relation, well, relationships in general, I believe, are they were they are put there for us to realize our deeper, greater potential, and it takes another person that is willing to either drive us through the conflict or walk with us through the conflict to get you to face all the shit that's in the way of your greater potential and if you run from that all the time you'll never face your greatest potential that's the theory you know what are you willing to be torn open and your greater self exposed so that it can emerge um i hope i don't sound like no preachy or something no just what i've read no i don't know um because, I mean, don't you want to be challenged and called on your bullshit sometimes when you need that to happen? You don't want some guy that's just like, oh, you're great, everything's great, let's not ever argue or confront anything. I just want to have my way all the time, Jeff. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, just... well, uh, maybe that's the first step to... As long as you're, as long as what you want is what I want, things would work out great. But I think, well, that's, that, that, I, yeah, I know you're joking, but no. Okay, I, I hear what you're saying. I think what what I hear you saying is, I'll quote the the famous Douglas Watson, who says, "Death to all who oppose me." Yeah. And maybe that's your philosophy. And in which case, this has been nice, but I gotta go. No. Um, I'll walk home. Now, my problem, like the last guy, he just couldn't handle being roasted. The last guy I dated. Things were actually going very well otherwise. But see, roasting is fun. That's half the fun. I know. Uh, Give each other some shit. Some people aren't into it. Some people are, but whatever. And uh, this guy can handle roasting, so that's good. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Like the honeymoon phase. This is the honeymoon phase, and I don't. When I think about him, I don't think about hanging out with him on his couch and talking to him. I think about... I don't see how he's going to fit in my life either. I just don't see how he's going to fit into my life once comedy's back and the world is turning. Although I do want to... 
this quarantine thing freaked me out because when comedy went away, I realized, as per design, I had nothing else. Right. <laughs> I had nothing. I don't have. I don't. I don't paint. You paint. You have art. You have something. I have nothing. Even without. that made. Uh, yeah. You know, it was tough to. That went away too. Probably. Like I'm back, but you know, it was going to, but then it didn't. There were people. Yeah. Two three weeks in, my rep was getting calls from clients that still wanted my stuff. And so that, I think that's what made me still be here. <laughs> I think yeah. I was, not that I, you know, sometimes I, I'll admit it, I've, I've had suicidal ideation sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but, but then usually I talk it out with someone and the art helped and some of my friends helped. But um, yeah, if it weren't for the art, I think I would have gone batshit crazy because I love comedy it's, you know, comedy, I don't know about you, but I do it before the quarantine. I was doing it every night, sometimes two, three times a night. Right. Um, and, and not only is it just getting on stage, it's just hanging out with all of our right. friends out there. Smoking and, and, and joking. Yeah, and it's so, I'm so glad that that's coming back, even in a small, I'm out there, you know, some of my friends are like, man, it's not the same though, so I'm not coming. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, I don't judge that, but me, I need... That's how I need this that podcast got started because oh, okay. that's how I write comedy. I need to have a sounding board. I need to be able... That's how I come up with... Whoops. Got a phone call. Uh, that's how I come up with things, is smoking and joking. We've been talking for like, I don't know, 15 minutes. But hopefully Jeff can recreate what he was saying because it was it was good about no, <laughs> men... about We were talking about how men... He should teach a class on men and dating. And uh, I, how and to I hit say, on women. And I don't know if I know how to do... <laughs> like, yeah. But I think you have to tell them what you said that triggered me into saying what I had to say because you were saying that, like, um, it was something... We were talking in general about <clears throat> hooking up or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you said, like, I'm a... Oh, you're a lover. You're not a... You're not a... With a heart or something a lo- like that. Yeah, you're a slut with a heart. You said you're... A slut with I'm a heart, a yeah. Slut, but you're a slut with a heart. You're... You're a lover. Like, I wanted to introduce you to that woman so that you could re... Like, I was like, Jeff would be perfect. Who was it that suggested Jeff? It, was, it wasn't It was Mo. Who was the other one that was sitting with us at that table that night? It was on the show. Oh, there was the, that fan that was sitting in front that was... But the um, comedian that was that closed out that show. What's oh, her name? Oh, um, Shanae Ross. Shanae Ross was like, Jeff. And I was like, oh. Oh, no, it was Mo. It was Mo. Mo was like, Jeff. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, he'd be perfect. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> Jeff, well, I'm very she, flattered. She really needs someone to come in and just... That woman needs someone to get her groove back. You know what I mean? <laughs> she needs a man um, to come in and just re-awaken her. She's been at home with her books too much and her television shows and her, her love stories. And she needs a man <laughs> to just re-wake up her her sexuality. O- open up the uh, chakras. Open up the flower. <clears throat> and realign those things. Her flower needs reopened. Yes. And she needs to get her groove back. And you... Well, should, you know what? Before be I could... excellent for that. Well, I mean, thank you. Um, <laughs> but again, I don't know if I'm <clears throat> qualified to teach a class. I think what I was starting to say, though, is that... Um, well, like, first of all, because you, you were saying something about how, like, I'm... I was worried that I have a reputation of being like a creep or a weirdo. Oh, I am yeah. de- definitely a weirdo. Yes. Um, but I've, I was always taught to be a gentleman. I don't... Oh, it's because you take no for an answer. Yeah, I mean, it, and what I was going to say about that is it's not even just that I take no for an answer. If I sense the body language as being not interested in me, um, I'll just kind of 
uh, I don't want to say walk away because again, a lot of I have a lot of female friends, but I'll notice that oh, okay, this is a this is the body language of you know. <clears throat> There's not a spark or whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll even take that as a no and just kind of be like, all right, whatever, you know, just chill. And you I think you, you have to do that because I think what <clears throat> what I see happening with some younger guys um, is that, um, how would I say this? <clears throat> because, you know, when I was uh, in my late teens, I kind of went through this where I had this big crush on this girl from, from high school and... I had this mentality that, oh my god, I, I have to find a way to make her fall in love with me. Oh, you're covering oh, up the... I'm so sorry. Um, Still like, I have to find a way to make her either attracted to me or fall in love with me. And this is subconscious, by the way. Yeah. Because if, if somebody like her loved me, then I must be valuable. And I, I think a lot of guys suffer from that. You haven't found your own value yet. There we go. Or you just have low self-esteem. And the thing, the cure for that is... Confidence comes from conviction or, or like, um, what I mean by conviction is that you have a certain passion or a certain vision for your life and that, that becomes the, the most important driving thing in your life. Um, because I don't know what it is, when you're on your path, you're, you're, you're no longer in this mentality that you need something else to make you happy or another person to make you happy. In fact, you're much more likely to be like, hey, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Like, I had a girlfriend years ago that <clears throat> she said to me at one point, you know, I don't like you going out doing comedy all the time. You need to come and spend time with me. And I said, well, yeah, we, we hang out on Saturdays and Sundays because uh, I wasn't booked on any <laughs> regular yeah. weekend. Sh wasn't good enough at the time to get booked on the good shows yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I go, yeah, we, we spend enough time together I think and I mean that that was a led to a different argument but, <laughs> but I just remember that one night she's like oh you have a show well I mean do you have to go why don't you come down here and see me and she was sounding really sad and, and upset by that and but I was like no I, you know what I'm sorry but I was booked on this I'm, I'm not canceling it we'll get together another night and what, yeah. what amazed me is as soon as I did that, stood my ground a little bit, she was like, oh, okay. Like, all of a sudden, it was almost as if she was testing me um, to see if I would stand my ground. That, yeah. And that's a whole different thing. No, yeah, but I don't sure. know. Is this... I'm just... I feel like I'm rambling. It makes sense to me. No, it makes sense to me. Um, but so, I guess, again, what I'm saying is that... And, and like, I'm not, like, some master of dating and relationships, by the way. I but, know. <laughs> but, but, I mean... I was I, just talking about how to hit on a woman. Just the basic thing of how to go up to a woman, to talk to her, the signs that, that you're talking about. Reading the room. Reading your audience. Reading the room, yeah. I think that's part of the problem is that... Well, here, here's a little... <laughs> we're a talking little. about shitty comedians <laughs> that don't know how to read an audience. <laughs> and, and they also... It carries over to... Hitting on someone, I think too. Yeah, um, but it's like self-absorbed. I, I think that um, that's part of it. But I, yeah, you have to kind of. There's a thing, and I think this goes like socially too, where I'm, I'm sure a bunch of you are laughing because I'm I'm not. A bunch. The, I'm very socially awkward, also. Yes. But it's like I I feel like I've caught on to certain things. What so like when I go out now? I used to go out to all the open mics and without even realizing I was doing it 
um, I, I kind of had this sort of needy expectation of kind of like, oh, they're going to be glad to see me, or I hope everyone's glad to see me, and I, I would look for approval, kind of, and I didn't know I was even doing it. Well, the thing is, if you've ever been approached by someone who's needy at all, you can, just, you can feel it, yeah. and you want to walk away from them, but then one day it hit me that, oh, wait a minute, that's not... I, I get so self-absorbed when I'm in these social situations, but that's not what social hangouts are for. It's for all of us to kind of vibe together. So now I go out. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me other people are supposed to enjoy my company? <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm just talking about me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Phew. Oh, um, <laughs> but. But it was all about me and what I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, but okay. I mean, I, I see <laughs> myself having done that thing where it's like I, I want to bring everybody into my world and then they can validate me. And it's like, yeah, but that's not how... Isn't it much better to like just reset my intention when I go out to, all right, cool, everybody's going to be there, so I'm, I just want to contribute to the, the fun. I'm not there to get into a deep argument on something. or I don't really want to date anybody that I involve in like the open mics of my comedy life. Well, I was saying that like earlier, that. too, yeah. that, that I don't... Um, I not that I haven't before, but I try now not to. I'm not really looking for to hook up or to have a, a relate. You know, if a relationship evolves or something, but my intention is I'd, I'd rather have really good friendships in the scene. I don't want to date somebody in the scene. Yeah, I am not setting out to. I'm ever... not saying that's wrong, but yeah, if it happens, it happens. But I think I see a lot of people trying to like make it happen i definitely am not interested in doing anything casual with anyone that's in the scene like yeah. sexually i don't want to just fuck around with people in the scene <laughs> right. if there is someone in the scene who is interested in me for something other than sex and they would like to properly learn how uh, would like to ask me out to go on an outing uh i would do the outing but i don't want i'm not just fucking people in the yeah. scene I have plenty here's the thing is like dudes comedians everybody a lot of men just act like their dick's magic or something and like I can't like I don't have I mean I'm not even like the most I'm not commercially attractive as I call it. you know what I mean I'm not like you know what I'm saying I'm not hot I, I can't even imagine what it's like for those women but just for me as myself I could get fucked by three different dicks every day and not recycle Wow. In a city this size. Right. You know, it's not oh, that hard to get some dick. That brings up a, a good point. Um, because I, this is one of those things that I learned years ago. Is that um, another problem, I think, with us guys is that we, we've been sort of taught how to approach or hit on a woman by rom-coms, like Hollywood stuff. And... The problem with that is that means that we're all reading from the same playbook. And what you just said about you get hit on, you could you could get laid by three different guys in the same day. And I know that's true. Most women that I know you could get hit on maybe 20, 30, 40 times a week. Mm -hmm. And it's always the same boring shit. Mm -hmm. Hey, if, sexy. Like, if hey, you, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Hi. you're so beautiful. You're Hi. this or that. But Hi, how many times have you I love seen your a guy... Lips. How many times have you, like, been um, playfully shit-talked by a guy who doesn't know you, comes up and just does something playful or different? And yeah. That's what I'm trying to say is that if you're, again, if you're, like, 
if you're not attached to the outcome and you can be yourself, like you're fucking unique and that if, if you don't have any pressure about any outcome, then you're just this weird, fun guy and that sets you apart. I yeah. Mean, is that what no, you No, for sure. Definitely true. Yeah. Because like, yeah, dudes are like, I'm to the point though now I'm so jaded that it's hard for men to even, me to even, they don't see it, but there's something that happens in my head if somebody, if a male comedian comes up to me after a mic or a show and is too gushing about how well I did. I'm immediately uh, like, what what's do you the motive? Want? What do you want from me? Why are you telling me this? Because right. there's, you know, there can be multiple motives. Maybe they're just a nice person and they're, they really thought I did a good job. They like me as a comedian. Generally, if they have a girlfriend, I feel more comfortable with them being nicer to me. I feel safer for some reason. But, but yeah, but most of the time I'm like, if I don't know them very well, I'm like, why are you being nice to me is what I'm doing in my head. And right. so I'm like trying to figure out why they're being nice to me. Like, are you trying to fuck me? Why are you being nice to me? What do you want from me? Yeah. And I hate that that's like how I react, but it is. It's just... So if they came up and said, hey, how you doing? Um, I have a girlfriend. You did awesome tonight. You'd be like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm not trying to hit or on you. if they you. have a wedding ring. I, think, you're, I think you did a really good job and you're super funny <laughs> and I promise I'm not saying that to try to have sex with you. No, I, I, it's just, it's hard. That could yeah. be your intro at the beginning of your show. Yeah. And then later on, they'll be like, oh, that's right. I shouldn't, I need to. You need to pre-qualify I'm when you talk to me. If you're going to be nice to me after the show, <laughs> please pre-qualify your niceness with what your intentions are. Just so I know, maybe I am interested in having what sex with you. What if some guy just walked up and, ah, and then leave? Just the, the thumbs up sign, and then that's just, fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. That would it. That would be. I'll fun. just I'll do that from now on. Yeah. No, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> no, you're. I'm talking like guys I don't know very well. And and whoever we were maybe talking about earlier. Aaron um, Maslow. No, no, no. Again, Aaron is a saint. Aaron. See, Aaron could come up to me and gush about how nice, how good a job I did. Oh, here, here's and something. I would just be happy. I would just be like, oh my god, Aaron Maslow thinks I'm funny. I would. It would be very validating for me as a comedian. But oh, I wouldn't god, be worried yeah. that he's trying to fuck me. He came up to me after a show one time, patted he's me on the shoulder. Nice he patted me on the shoulder and he said, "Well, I I thought you were funny." <laughs> I had mixed feelings on that. And that's because he's such a caring, that's how much of a caring mensch that this this guy is. And, um, and you know, he, here's, well, here's proof of how, what a mensch and like what a kind, um, others-centric person Aaron Maslow is. The fact that he has taken on someone like Noah Reynolds as like a no, I'm kidding, Noah. You, um, you're a also a mensch in your own Noah. way. Uh, Noah's no, a little. He, I think Noah's he, got a little more. But you know what about Noah is, is? Is he does? I mean, the thing about Noah is that I'm fucking jealous because he's like tapped into the, some visceral thing and just doesn't fight it, and and it's just, god damn it! I I have that in me too, and once in a while I do let it out. But my problem is I have like five or six different personalities that are buried, and it it, it becomes a scary of which one do I release. Um, I'm not saying I have. I mean I don't yeah. know. I might have schizophrenia. No, I'm multiple um, people. But no, I see. I know what you're saying. Like if I were to try to unleash that kind of intensity and anger on stage, it wouldn't yeah. be funny. Well, and, and mine isn't it necessarily be... anger. Like, but you know what? I bet it might be though, because uh, there's a comedian that I've been watching that. Um, I, I, he should be very well known. His name's Dan McCourt, and I think he's from 
Ohio or someplace, and he just, man, he just goes on these just cynical, kind of scathing, angry rants, and I'm just in hysterics because it's like we want to hear, we want to hear your rage, like what you said to me about like the whole this guy right now. That's oh my god, there's gold in that talking about how yeah, he's just he has no ambition. Oh, I fuck him anyway. Oh, you do? Okay. Because his voice, the material I have is, his voice, when he gets in his sexy voice, it's like he's channeling boys to men, you know, when they hear <laughs> songs, when they, yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. And he's just like, yeah, girl. And he has this, like, softness, but also, like, this level of authority to his voice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. very calm, but very commanding. I actually, um, and it's soothing, and it makes me want to do what he says. So, here's the thing. I, I don't think of myself... As a dom, but this girl I was with for a while, we were friends with benefits a couple years ago, and I was I was like, I'm like I'm surprised that that this is really as fucking hot as it is with, because you told me when we met that you're like into the dom dom sub thing, and I don't really do that. And she said, she goes, yeah, but you are a dom because like as soon as you get here, you like tell me where to go and what position to be in and all that stuff. And then what she said next was like it kind of floored me. She goes, you're kind of like this sort of silent dom, like James Spader in the movie Secretary with uh, M- Maggie, whatever, Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was very, very flattered because when I watched that movie, I'm like, oh my God, that guy's such a, like, like I was getting wet watching that guy. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the sub that I've always been is like, I just want them to silently. Like, hey, um, go over here. Yeah, just tell me to do this. Let's do a doggy. Yeah, try but, this. Yeah, but they put your don't. Hand here. Yeah, put your hand here faster, slower. Because I think the difference is it's just about intention. Like if you're tuned into what you want. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's. Um, I it's want them e- to communicate their needs to me so I can fulfill them. Though, yeah, I mean, I like even me saying like, because yeah, even me saying, hey, you know what? I I would like it if you did this. Yeah. Well, that's that's being a dom in a way. I think. My problem and a lot of my guy friends, our problem with that, is that whole notion, we've been led to believe that doms are like dicks or yeah, that's abusive. A, there's that's a lot of such men, a fucked up... There's a lot of assholes out there that claim to be doms. They're subs, though. In, in, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, the, it's a beta trying to pretend to be an alpha. Yeah, there's this whole... Because there's, there's so much between the dom sub thing. And I knew this before. I, I mean, I just know this from my friends, but... There's like this. There's there's a lot of consent in this. Well, so like that's a hundred percent what it's if, supposed to be. If something's it's happening that I don't want to happen, and I say let's don't hit me that hard. That was too hard. If they continue <laughs> to try to hit me that hard, then oh, that's, yeah, then that's it's over. Yeah, then that's over. You so crossed like, the line, you know. A lot of men try to say they're doms and they they're kinky. Is what they're they're into kink, which is what they mean. If they say they're into <clears> kink on their dating profile, it means they like to treat women like shit in bed. That's what that means. Yeah. They, that's what their domination means. I want to just treat you like you aren't even human and you're a fucking human sex doll. Jeez. You know and what and I mean? if that's the case, you need to, A, either yeah. spell that out from the very beginning. Yeah. To, a, to get consent. Because there, yeah. there are women that but I know that love that. You should be able to withdraw that. the consent yeah. at any point. Exactly. And, and they don't but, respect that withdrawal of Or, consent. B, that kind of person just needs to go for therapy first. Yeah, they really they need to fucking work <laughs> on their angers and figure out why they hate women so much. Yeah. And they want to hurt them. <laughs> they should probably figure that out. 
kind of want a woman a, to hurt me. No, I'm no. But the, I mean, at this point, like this whole thing that I'm exploring with him, maybe that's all his purpose is: is to get is like to open up this side of me that I didn't know I had, and maybe I'll find my true daddy somewhere else. But um, set your intention. Like I would like put, to put, find put that out there. You know, I would like to find a daddy that I can also do fun things with once or twice a week, like go up in the mountains or go play miniature golf. That's all. That's all. I just want a daddy that I, and it also has interesting conversation and like knows about history or something. The weird thing is, is there's this guy I met online. We've never met in person. We've talked on the, we've text on and off, and we've talked on the phone like three times for like three hours each. And he's so fucking interesting to talk to for three hours. Like he's so fucking interesting. Like he stimulates the fuck out of my brain. But he he's mental. He's like freaked out right now about. He doesn't. He's not leaving his house. And he's, oh okay. <laughs> He's not, yeah, yeah he, he gets all of his shit delivered. He never leaves his house, and he's really freaked out by COVID. So he doesn't want anyone coming over. He doesn't want to meet. Or he's married. I don't know. But we have really, but I, it, that's something I need. I need what he's giving me there. Plus, I need the sex, if, if it's going to last. Because no matter how good the sex is, I'm not going to keep, it's never going to develop into anything lasting. Yeah. And that's what I want. <laughs> I want, I want. Like, oh, I was saying earlier, because like when, when comedy went away and I lost comedy, I'd focused on it so hard for the last year. You know, my kids, because I had kids, I had a yeah. partner, I had animals, I had all these things that needed me. And so then I just threw myself into comedy because I had nothing, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I, I, I chose to focus on comedy. It wasn't like I had to. Like I ignored everything else. I focused on comedy. So when comedy went away, I was like, maybe... I should think about getting something else in my life. It doesn't actually have to be a relationship, but like something. I mean, I, what did you it's do? It's dangerous like, to have one thing. That's it. it. Yeah. Well, like you said earlier, um, I have my art and, and yeah, that did. Have, but I also have like music and um, well, I'm listening to music. Even, but well, that too. But and that's more what I reverted to. I mean, I used to play yeah. bass guitar and stuff. Well, I've been but, listening to a lot of music. But like, okay. Um, no, what I was going to ask you though. Um, is like during the off time a did you do a lot of like um zoom shows and stuff like that did you first at first i just spun out for like a month i just fucking lost my shit for a month i just i didn't even know what i could i relate to that i just shut down because i couldn't even think of what to do i knew i was safe where i was i knew that i my bills were paid and so i just kind of sat in my house and like watched tv and because okay the first three weeks of this you know i lost comedy and then the guy I was dating, a.k.a. my only human contact now, and <laughs> yeah. I broke up, and I got a job and lost the job. Me and him broke up, and I got fired on the same day. Oh, and that was, it. like, right <laughs> at the end of March. And so April, I just was spun out. I just shut wow. down. I wasn't crying and upset and suicidal necessarily. I just completely shut down for the month of April. I cried the first day. Oh, I and, cried and a lot those last two weeks of March. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, so much crying the last two weeks of March. <laughs> but like now as, like, so was there a point though where like you also, now I feel like I'm the interviewer. <laughs> no, no. But like did you start writing more at any time? Because I mean, I think that's... I mean, I wrote a, huge... a little bit about the breakup. I wrote, I shut But no, I mean, but then... I mean as a practice, like... Yeah. Because that, that's something that I started doing um, at the uh, advice of a friend. Yeah. Is that back in May... I started making it a practice to, at, at the very least, try to write an hour a day. Oh, I've never done that. And and even I've, I've noticed that even days where it was forty minutes, like, okay, there, there's I'm starting to get some 
jokes out of that, but there's so much more raw material than I've I ever just, than I've ever had before. There were so and, many things that I had to get in order in able to be able to have the brain space to write comedy. Right. Like I did I had to get find my finances in order like my like you know the Maslow hierarchy of needs. You know, I, I had to make sure Aaron I, Aaron Maslow's yeah. hierarchy. <laughs> Uh, have, have children that you hate, that's number one. It's just a big triangle that says love everybody but not too much. Be nice but... But have some bitterness. But, but have some, No, um, you know, the basic I'm, I'm needs, kidding. food, shelter, security. I had to get yeah. those things set up. And so that's kind of what I did oh, for the month of yeah. April. And then um, I bought the bus and that was all fucking weird and I was going to go back to Kansas. But now, like, I'm where I'm living now at Josue's house... Do you, do you have a... you still have a, the bus? I have the bus. It's in storage. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I need to fix it up. That's. Is it a magic bus? <laughs> it can be. Yeah. Right. I'm hoping. I'm just thinking about I'm, that. Oh, there you go. I oh. want it to be a little witchy. Um, <laughs> well, no. I meant a different kind of magic. <laughs> no, it can be. A, it can. It's going to be. I want to grow shrooms in it. If that's what you mean. Um, I just, no, I pictured like the 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 you know day glow day glow trippy hippie yeah. uh, paint job on the outside. Well, it's going to be the art of comedy on the outside. There you go. Okay. But. Yeah, no, uh, and so then I got where I was at. You know, I was doing some Zoom mics and stuff, but I started the Fat Lonely Bitch podcast, and I started interviewing people, and that's what really helped, actually. I was just connecting with people again, connecting with people again. Yeah. Um, even if it was via Zoom. And then that got me, like, the juices flowing, the comedy juices flowing again. And then I started doing, I did a couple Zoom shows. I started doing a couple Zoom mics. I really only do the Zoom mics if, like, my friend Brooks in there. I like Brooke. I, you know what oh, I mean? Okay. Yeah. And and so, uh, but like this weekend, I was on a Zoom call. For, it's I think the group's called Displaced Comedians. And this guy, Gary, he'll just post a link and be like, hey, I'm bored. Come Zoom chat with me. And I'll get into these Zoom oh. chats with comedians Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, nice. You know, and so I started doing that. And then um, the Fat Lily Bitch, Bitch podcast brought me out of it. But then I like... Got set up like so. I like I'm feeling pretty stable right now. The last two weeks and now this yeah, that's good. Fucking unemployment thing's kind of stressing me out, but I'll be fine financially because my daughter is thankfully financially responsible and can float me. But uh, I raise. So that's hey, she that's raised sad. herself well. Oh good. Um, now she can take care of now you. Now she can help take care of me. I'll pay her back. She knows. In your golden years. I always take. Yeah, I always <laughs> pay her back. But um, but yeah. So I like I'm settled. I'm like I feel pretty secure. I have all my basic needs covered right now. Mm-hmm. And so now I feel like I can... That's why I started producing again, you know? Because I just started producing before this happened. That's another blow. It's like I just felt like I'd gotten my footing. Because, you know, I lived in my SUV most of last year. Oh, yeah. And it was hard to fucking... I didn't. You know, I just didn't have my basic needs settled so that I could produce. And so right. I, I feel like I'm producing again. So I'm, 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 I'm getting back up to reaching self-actualization at the top, which you can come and go from that's the thing it's like people think you reach self-actualization and then you're like there man yeah I, but thought, that's not I true. thought that's what it was that... no you you dip back down wow. but this is always the goal i mean you, and each i think for me anyway i can't speak for other people each time i reach the peak of sec i reach it about different there's so many areas of your life that you need to reach you know what i mean and so i'll reach it about one point and then once i've reached about that point i can start focusing on this point yeah. And so I guess, I mean, there may become a point where you fully reach self-actualization, but there's always so much more to learn. There's always more to evolve yeah. as a human that I don't think you'll ever fully, you're fully reaching it on every aspect of your life. It's going to take time. And you do, you do, things do happen that revert you back, like the COVID. 
It, it knocked me all the way back down to the bottom of the goddamn triangle, and I had to build the base back up again. Well, that's interesting you mentioned that, because I, this is something that I, one of my teachers years ago uh, taught me, and I, it came up Saturday night at a mic. I was talking to a fellow comic about how, because he was like, yeah, sometimes it just feels like you're, you go all the way back, and then you're just a 17-year-old again, or mm-hmm. whatever that thing was. And I go, well, no, it's not like this linear line, and you're going, or this type of thing. It's actually, pretend there's like this, a cone, like a mountain. Yeah, a And what it is, is that you're going up, and then, oop, here's that thing again. Yeah. But now, you're hit, now when you hit that thing, it feels like it's all the way back here, but it's the new level of that. Like right now, oh, I see what so you're in other words, let's say that you hit a thing that makes you feel like you regressed. Yeah. Well, ask yourself... Am I dealing with that thing this time around a yeah. little better? Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I think that's what it is. It, it's a spiral upward. For me, what happens is when I come down and I get to a point where I have to start provide, like worry about my basic needs, my ability to get back up to the top is fast. <clears throat> like my ability to fucking okay. reclimb to self-actualization is easier. Because I know how to get these basic needs met and see, better. And that's what I was getting at earlier. The more that you stay in that realm of knowing knowing who you are and knowing and being cool with who you are including mm-hmm. the shadow self yeah the stuff that we usually resist um, the more you're cool with every part of it um, that's what attracts people and the right people yeah um, I even had the same guy that told me the spiral thing told me that as you get cleansed and healthier inside and his, his big thing was it tripped me out because it was really hard was forgiveness mm. and and like even because my whole thing was a as when he would question me about like a memory would come up and he would say okay how do you feel about that person that did that and i before i could even express the hatred and the anger i would be like well uh they they didn't mean it i'm sure they what i was trying and what that is is that's that's apologizing for them and placating them, and it actually blocks the real forgiveness. Yeah. And he says, no, 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 forget about, don't justify them. I want you to first acknowledge that that person said, they called me this, and that was wrong, and that hurt me. Mm-hmm. And then, own, declare how that makes me feel toward the person, and then say, okay, but yet, even though they did wrong, and it hurt me. I choose to uh, forgive them, or and and not. It's not even like oh, forgive and forget. No, some people you have to stay away from permanently. Yeah. But it's like what it is. It's not for them. It's for you. Yeah. It's to say that yeah, they're they're still it, like I have this old roommate where I'm never going to <laughs> like hang out with him again. But I'm not. He's not renting space in my head and my soul anymore. Oh, I was just thinking about but, people. But, but my point there real oh. quick is that it's just, for me, that's been the most powerful thing. Because then all of a sudden, it almost like seems to magically change the relationship in a lot of cases. Yeah. And then I realized what it did. All it did was it reset my frequency so that like now, when, there's a certain comedian that now when I run into him, I'm like, oh, there's not... I, I don't have, like, my own mental, like, uh, oh, see, he's looking at you, like... To where you have feelings. Like, right. you see him and you have a visceral internal reaction. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and it's kind of like, rather than 
oh, why did he look at, at me like that? Now it's, uh, oh, he seems uh, distracted tonight, or it's not about me, it's about where that person might be at. Yeah. I'm Now I'm sounding preachy. Uh, <laughs> well, I just, but I think, this morning was just irritated with myself for who I allow to let take up space in my head. Because there's yeah. only so much space in my head. Yeah, charge them rent. Yeah, <laughs> and gonna... I, yeah, like why, why does this person get to have this much space in my yeah. head, take up this much space in my head? They don't deserve to have this much space in my head. It's, it's unreasonable that they have this much space in right. my head. Um, but my problem is, like, right now, there's not a lot else to fill the space in my head. Like, when I have comedy. There you go. But, see, that's the problem with that is, uh, as another wise friend told me, you can have a external locus of control that drives you or an internal locus of control that drives you. And it's like where nobody has... 100% of either. Yeah. But like me, I had to realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm starting to do comedy based on the reaction I'm getting by the audience. Okay, well, what if what if I bomb? Does that invalidate the process yeah. of learning how to do my, my comedy for me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is a... I'm not, I don't mean it. I yeah, just no. mean like... No, I understand. Like, I have a healthy view of comedy, too. Like, where I don't... My idea of bombing is not as there's, it, bombing is relative you know what i mean well, my I, idea I, yeah. and so like i don't really i still see the learning value in a bomb well yeah where i'm not upset after yeah i was always uh i always picked up on like when common comedians like veteran comedians would basically say that uh bombing isn't failure it's feedback and you need yeah. it so it's like i almost look forward to it sometimes like when i go to um Irish Rover or, or Lion's Lair. There's some... It's tougher crowds because there's only six people left. And it's like, okay... Um, oh, yeah, because you go to Thick Skins by the time you show up. Oh, dude, well... I love then, Irish Rover early. But the thing is, is that um, I think those are the best mics because they're the ones that um, I'm standing up there going, oh, God, like, I'm getting triggered into yeah. all my fears of people not liking me. And to be able to stand there and just relax into that... I'm, yeah. I'm much more comfortable. I don't know about you. No, when I started I, comedy, I was very, like, rigid in, I wanted, in my planning and, like, wanting to know my set list and just so fucking rigid that I couldn't, I had no flexibility <clears throat> if something happened or yeah. came up. And so, um, once, like, the first three years, I was very rigid. I, and I wouldn't go up with any alcohol or weed in my system. I didn't want to be reliant on those to get on stage. And so, but then when I moved here and I got kind of comfortable here a little bit, I started just like going up high, still planned, but high. And then I started just at mics, just going up with no plan. I mean, I kind of maybe had a premise in my head, um, but that could change if somebody said something funny right before they got off stage that sent me off down somewhere else. So I <laughs> yeah. just, I, when I went, when I walked into the mic, I did not have a plan set to talk about. I didn't have any jokes, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm just going to, there's times that Irish Rover that I'm standing there waiting for him to announce, like I'm watching Oren call me up and I still don't know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and so just challenging myself in that way. And then I started like when I had shows that weren't just brewery shows or whatever, where I get like 10, 15 minutes, I know how I'm going to get in. I know how I'm going to get out, but I don't plan the middle as much. And I just kind of let my jokes flow that are in my head and sometimes really funny things happen that come up you know and so like the whole writing on stage thing i think is what i'm talking about like people are like i write on stage oh, i'm yeah. like how do you write on stage that sounds terrifying but so i kind of forced myself to do that and now 
because what I do is like with anything, like religion, atheism, I swing really far in one extreme. Like I was extremely sober. I was extremely planned. Oh, hold on, hold on. I have a question. So you said between religion and atheism, were you like a Jehovah's Witness at one time? Oh, no, I was a church lady for women. I was a Pentecostal. Pentecostal? Hey, all right. Fist bump. I used to be a Pentecostal. Did you speak in tongues? I never was able to. Oh, yeah. You're never able to? I was never able to speak in tongues. Somebody taught me how to do it, and it's like... It's like you just almost let your subconscious mind kind of back. Kind of like when I yelled out daddy on that guy. There you go. But here's the thing, though. I learned something from... I'm still religious in a way. I don't flaunt it or try to get other people. Because I think there's a bigger paradigm. But, but like, I learned a really interesting thing from uh, this... This pastor who he is a he was a rabbi, Jewish rabbi, converted to Jesus you might call him a Jesus freak or whatever. Yeah. But he's still Jewish. It's yeah. just that he sees that okay, Jesus was the, the Jewish Messiah and everybody's Messiah, and then all these Old Testament things are foreshadowings of what he completed and again not to preach. Yeah, I know. But this was the part that he always stressed is that so many um, Western people or Americans don't read it with the Judaic frame of reference in which it was written. So, for example, in the Pentecostal church, we read these passages about how uh, when you pray in the Spirit, make sure you have an interpreter. Well, my Pentecostal pastor always used to teach, see, well, first of all, that's proof that there is a thing called speaking in tongues, and it means that if you're going to do it in public, then you blurt out your nonsense. (laughs) I'm going to call it that. You, You blurt out your babble, and then somebody over here, if they feel emboldened, should stand up and go, um, the Lord says blah, blah, blah. And they're making that shit up too. Yeah. But what he um, opened my eyes to is that he goes, okay, as, as a former rabbi, do you, you do realize that the phrase praying in the spirit, is that's a Jewish um, idiom, a, a phrase that pertains to a Jewish tradition, which was you pray in Hebrew. Praying in the Spirit means praying. You know how the Catholics pray in Latin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Domino's, da, da, Domino's yeah. pizza. That's Domino's what. Domino's pizza. Yeah, so it, it actually makes more. It has a practical. So essentially, what he was saying was Paul, who wrote it, said, Hey, when you establish a new church in a different, a Gentile nation, like Greece is what who he was talking to. Yeah. Uh, you guys are. Um, Jews who speak the Hebrew language, we're not going into Corinth and praying in Hebrew. You need an interpreter that knows how to speak Greek so that everybody understands what the hell you're... Okay, yeah. that that's useless religious trivia for it you. It makes sense. But the, anyway, I was in the Pentecostal church and um, the, it was... Uh, I could write... I could probably do an hour of comedy on that. I was only in it for three years as an adult. I mean, I was raised in it, kind of, uh, casually. Um, my grandparents were preachers, so when we lived in a town with them, we were we went to church. But if we didn't live in a city where they lived, we didn't go to church. Um, so the majority of my childhood, we did not, so we did not go to church. But my parents were still believed in it. Um, yeah. And then as an adult, I got into drugs, and my first ex-husband and I were into drugs when we met. And we when we got pregnant with our my third kid, his first, um, we decided we should quit doing drugs and that we should redevote our life to God, and we got rebaptized. Um, and I, 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 I gave away all my CDs. I only listened to Christian music. I only watched oh. television <laughs> and shows that were PG or lower, PG or G. 
I didn't want to let the devil in my heart. I was going to homeschool my children because I didn't want them to yeah, go to public schools. you better not schools. let the devil in your heart. And I didn't want to let the devil, I didn't want the, my children exposed to the devil in public schools. Right. Um, I was going to stay at home mom. I was going to do the whole fucking thing. I'd be so fat right now. But um, I'd be I'd be wearing a goddamn muumu and chasing around more children probably. I could have popped a kid out every year of my life. That's very highly um, valued in the, like the family the in religions. my church, the family in my church that everyone... Because there's almost like a church hierarchy. Uh-huh. If, if you're single in the church, you're at the bottom of the pyramid. You're a third-class citizen. Yeah. Married couples were the kind of the in-click. And then if you had kids, oh, there was this couple that had nine, and I shit you not, they bought a Chevy Econo stretch mm-hmm. van. You know those vans that are like yeah, extended? Yeah, 12-seater. Yeah, they carry, they looked like the, it was like the Swiss family fucking Robinson Pentecostal edition. Mm-hmm. And um, I have four kids I have under nothing six. against... Wow. Okay. Uh, so I, you kind of need that just for all the space, the <laughs> yeah. double strollers and the, all the stuff. But it's like, need. my point is they were actually, they had plans to try to create even more. And, okay, on one hand, though, if you've got the resources to raise a bunch of kids, like 12 kids, hey, go for it or whatever. My kidneys would have shut down. More I kids have to anymore. work in my company for little yeah. little to no money. Yeah. My uh, kidneys slave labor. Did, my, kidneys, <laughs> my kidneys wouldn't have functioned to have more children. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, fortunately, and unfortunately, right? Um, no, I had four. I had plenty. Uh, well, that's a lot. That's a I lot. have zero that I know. Of. I probably have a lot more. Four's not really that much where <laughs> I come from, though. And I mean, my mom's one of five. My dad's one of four. Where, 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 where are you from again? Wichita, Kansas. Wichita. I, I knew Kansas. I forgot Wichita. Yeah, having but... lots of children and having them young is normal. Most of my friends have grandchildren because they had children young. Because my kids are twenty three and twenty one. My oldest ones. And most of my friends that have kids that are 23 and 21 have at least one or two grandchildren by now. My cousin has, they just had their third grandchild, and they're my age. And my friend Lynette, who's a couple years older than me, just had her second grandchild from her 23-year-old son. And so I, knock on wood, gotten real lucky that I'm not a grandma, because I don't want it. Um, I guess I do someday. I love babies. I just don't want to be called grandma. I haven't decided. I, I okay, was well, like, let me, have let me pitch. Me Helen. Here's something that you might want to consider. So my mom, I'm an adoptee, so the mom I grew up yeah. with, the adoptive mom. She, um, when my brother and his wife had their first child, my niece Kayona, my, my mom, like, okay, my mom was not anti-kid at all, but she's just like, oh, get those rugrats away. Well, as soon as that happened, just... All bets were off. It like something switched in her brain, and they never called her grandma. It was always uh, what was I forgot their nickname for her, but it was. Uh, I don't want it, Nana. I don't want Granny. I don't want Grandma. I think it was Nana, probably. I, no, I don't want any of the names. First of all, it denotes a sense. Hey Helen, can I have a cookie? Yeah, that, yeah. It denotes so a, it denotes a sense of responsibility that I do not have for those children. I am not responsible for their fucking outcome. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's my I like I will have fun with them, I will play with them, I will do fun activities with them, but I'm not disciplining them. They're not being told no when they're with me. So you're more like the I'm cool not, aunt. I'm gonna be like a, a fun cool aunt. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't wanna rate my, my nightmare right now is like my nineteen year old knocks up his eighteen year old girlfriend who just oh. I'm gonna have to help take care of that baby. They are not equipped to take care of a baby. I'm gonna have to help. <laughs> well, if my older daughters, I mean, I don't really want my oldest daughter having a child with the, her. Now, they got married April 21st. I don't really want her having a child with that man, but I know if she does, I don't have to take care of it. I know she can take care of it, and he can financially take care of it. My younger daughter, I know she'll be fine, but 
my youngest, thankfully, I don't have to worry about it. How old is your youngest? 18. 18. But his girlfriend's a trans girl, so he can't knock her up. Well, they can adopt. Yeah, but that's like a choice. (laughs) And that might be... uh, That's true. That is a choice. 20 years down the road. He's only 18 years old. He's not adopting tomorrow. It's a good point. Yeah. When I was 18, I was not thinking about taking on... uh, You you don't accidentally adopt a baby. Couldn't you imagine that? Uh, Somebody put a roofie in your drink and you ended up at the adoption agency. Yeah, it's like... Hey, guess what? Now you have a... Imagine just leaving the bar, and when you get home from the bar, you wake up in the morning, and there's just a baby in your car. And you're like, you brought a baby home from the bar. Well, that's how Moses happened back in Egypt. Well, they didn't have a car, but they. Yeah. The, uh, the story goes, they put him in the boat or something, and then somebody found him. Yeah, there's been a lot of people that brought babies home from the bar, <laughs> and they didn't know it. That's very true. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm real, I mean, in my 19-year-old, he's in love with his girlfriend, and he thinks they're going to get married and stay together forever, and that... And that, which hopefully they do. I mean, it happens. Please, just it would make my life so much easier. <laughs> I love her. They're a great couple. They really get along. She's really good at handling him because he's got Asperger's, and he it's not like he's always going to need someone to take care of him by any means. But for him to have like a really good quality of life, he does need someone to help him. He can take care of his basic needs real easy. But back to the Maslow, the Aaron Maslow hierarchy of needs. <laughs> um, to reach the peak of his... Who has brought many people out of uh, Asperger's Syndrome, I've heard. To, um, for or him created... To, for him much. to reach self-actualization, he's going to need the support of a not of a good woman. That's just how Caleb is. You know, I, I can't do it yeah. forever. I know there's a couple that I know from back when I used to live in Madison. They're, they've been married for, geez, 20, 21 years or something. They both have Asperger's, I think. And they, uh, it's like a puzzle piece with them. They just naturally support each other. Yeah, she's really um, good at, like, I've watched them interact, and when he's, she's really good at just, like, like, she'll just put it, her hand on his knee, and it makes him, like, okay, like, what happened was, I made a joke while I was there last, and I was like, yeah, since comedy's dead, I'm just going to move back here and refocus my life back on my By children. the way, don't stop saying comedy's dead. It's not dead. I've had people say, I go to Lewis's open mic, and at least three people there every time say, oh, comedy's dead. It's I'm not. like, don't poison me with your well, negative. Well, they probably think they're, it's they're dead joking. because of PC cancel culture. But anyway, uh, so... Well, one out of the three yeah, thinks that. The definitely. other two are... It's okay, this, they're just but, being... Well, I think they're hyperbolic. they're just joking because they... Um, they it, it sort of uh, gets them to the next joke in their set yeah. or whatever, and that's fine. But I'm, but I'm paranoid by nature, so... Or superstitious, so yeah. my mind is that uh, if I hear too much negativity, then that's going to get into me. Yeah, and, no, it's true, yeah. man. You, there's there's the no, manifestation of things. I, I mean, I think comedy will naturally oh, it's evolve gonna and change. It's going to change, but, but, but it's people not need going it. Anywhere. We need it, yeah. especially now. I think now, yeah. like now, is the time when we need comedy most. Oh but, my god! Well, I did that show in the Springs yeah. last week. Matt Gabriel and um, uh, Austin Brinker. It was a phenomenal show, and every single person on it killed that crowd. Yeah, that's was how just the shows so, have been at Mercury that, that, so far. That show, I mean, people that showed up, like, they sold out. It was like a drive-up show, but people put their little lawn chair in front of their car and stuff. Yeah. And, and that, the whole parking lot was packed. Everybody was, like, laughing, honking their horn, all that. And just, it, and that impressed on me that people are just like, oh, my God, yes, we thank you for... Giving us some, you know, distractions, some laughter. Yes, they need it. They want it. Not just as comedians, but yeah. the shows at Mercury have been 
have done. I mean, they've been filled to what they could. Actually, I think you and I are booked on the July 12th one together. Yeah. Yeah. John, I didn't know uh, you were on it too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, John. Uh, as soon as I showed up at the last one that we were yeah, both at, yeah, that's what he said. He's like, I need he to talk goes, to. Hey, you. hey, yeah. Let's, I just got all of July day. <laughs> yeah, I just got July Sundays. We need to talk. That's one reason I go to shows, though, because that's a lot of times. Yeah. There's a tip for comedians: you want to get booked, <laughs> go to shows. Because one, I'd say half the time I go to a show, there's a comedian that doesn't show up or something happens. Oh and, yeah, you never know. You might get a guest. Got to be ready. Yeah. And I used to carry around a pocket set list back when I used to need a set list back in my very structured days. Yeah, that's three. Well, it was just a sheet of paper, and it could be folded to show whichever set list I wanted. Oh, got it. And it it had a three, five, seven, and a ten-minute set because ten was all I had. Okay. And so (laughs) I could flip it like this or flip it like that. I mean, it wasn't like a thingy, but it was just folded up, and it would slip right in my pocket. When you did thingy, what is the word for that? You know that origami is what she's doing. Yeah, you remember that game where you fold the paper and it like predicts your future? Yeah. It wasn't folded like that to where I'm like, oh, it's this, it's a three. But it's like a tri-folded. I just wanted to visual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but, but yeah, so I swing real far. I was going to say, I swing real far one way and I swing well far the other. So I swing really, really far into not being structured and just being stoned all the time, which was fun, but not (laughs) terribly productive. Uh, and so now I'm like swinging back to I'm swinging kind of, I I end up in the middle ground to where I'm like structured, but Still well, you know free. what? What you're kind so of getting in, in here. What you're kind of getting into there is: Are you familiar with the Hegelian dialectic, no. the philosopher Hegel? So the idea is: you have thesis way over on this side, then you have synthesis way over on that side, and then they meet in the middle for synthesis. Ah. And and uh, now it, you can actually use that model for different things. Um, there's a growth pattern in that because. Yeah. Like, let's say you have an argument, I have the counter-argument, and then we reach some agreement uh-huh. somewhere. But then you also have, like, there's power people, like politicians, that use it to drive agendas. Oh, yeah. They'll say, hey, we're going to, this happened, so now you're going to react over here, so now we're going to have the solution right in here. But this is what we always want. Part of my part of my degree is, like, marketing. Like, I have a, part of my degree is communication. So yeah. there's, like, journalism and marketing. Oh, yeah, so and are you tired of this? Well, here's this. Yeah. yeah. They will create a need that you didn't know you had. Bingo, yeah, yeah. Like shaving my armpits. <laughs> Women used to not shave anything. And then... And some still don't. Beards. Well, I recently shaved my armpits just because it's hot, and they start to fucking annoy me. I'll shave <laughs> yeah. my body hair when it annoys me. Uh, when my body hair and when my leg hair annoys me or my armpit, I'll, I shave my hair based on how I feel about my hair. <laughs> right. But, um, so, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, like, it happened because the beard, the men started growing beards and they weren't shaving, so their sales went down. They were like, we need to get sales up. Let's tell women they're disgusting if they're hairy, so women buy fucking razors. What? Oh, okay. So they push this thing, they can push, because, especially back in the day when advertisers. When advertisers had so much uh, control over, because they paid for whole shows, it was the, you know. Brought to you by. Yeah, and so they 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 could push their agendas oh into the have shows. You, have you seen the uh, SNL? They did a spoof, like 1950s show. Bill Hader was in it. Like uh, now we take a commercial break, and it's this blonde girl with cigarettes. Try, try Winston cigarettes now with five percent less asbestos. Yeah. It's as best as can be. <laughs> then the little gleam on her. Yeah. To, I've watched Mad Men six times. Oh, my God. The yeah. entire series. It's. Well, I grew up in that time when 
you, you'd have like still had cigarette ads on TV. They banned that, but yeah. like Marlboro um, Miles, Marlboro Country, uh, recommended by four out of five dentists. Like what? Yeah. Well, first of all, what's a dentist? Di- well, I get it. The brown teeth. Yeah. Or <laughs> what if we had cigarettes that were? I mean, I don't know. That's so why I like Christy Buechley's Marlboro Miles jokes. Talking about her dad How buying her oh, stuff my God, with yeah. the because that's, that's right. That's me, man. My dad used to. Oh my God! I, I had a Mar- about that. I had a Marlboro jacket when I was like ten. <laughs> When she told me that joke, though, I mean, and this goes way off of her whole point with yeah. it, but I, I think of that whole Breakfast Club thing where um, uh, oh, John Bender was like, yeah, my dad would give me a pack, carton of cigarettes. Yeah. That was a banner fucking year yeah. in the Bender household. Yeah. You go, Johnny, smoke up. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Man, I'd have been ecstatic if my up. dad gave me a fucking carton. Yeah. I used to have to steal packs out of his carton. And then he noticed. Oh, shit. He started noticing. He was so mad. You, you replace them with spliffs. Yeah, and then he, he's like, hey, this is different. <laughs> what happened? Um, my dad, I found out, like, after my dad died that he did get high. Like, nobody talked about it. Like, he didn't do it a lot. He was a roofer, and he was on the road all the time. So oh, some, my God, you said roofer like we do in Wisconsin. Roof. Roof. roof instead of roof. Yeah, roofer. Yeah, he's a roofer. Yeah. My, my mom, uh, God rest her soul. Instead, so, okay. Here... The word creek, it's pronounced creek. She, to her dying breath, said crick. Crick. I go, there's two E's. Hey, Mom, say that I would spell out the word peak, like peekaboo. Yeah. I go, read that. She goes, peak. I go, okay. And I, C-R-E-E-K, crick. What? It's the same two E's. It's And she couldn't. That's just the weird There was. Uh, there's uh, a girl accent. I used to know that had a joke about her. Her mom says closet. Closet. With an N. Closet. What? That, that, okay, that's like my grandmother Cousin. saying, make sure to wash your hands before yeah. dinner. Cousin and closet. Cousin. Uh, I don't even, that doesn't even make wash. sense. Yeah, wash. Yeah, wash. A washcloth. Yeah. A I think that, that comes from like wash. a, yeah. There's a, that's a German influence I found out. Yeah. But, um. I'm German. Riker. Riker, yeah, that's very that's German. Pretty. And my mom's maiden name is Boer. We're pretty, Boer, how, how, many kids, how, how many kids in, in your family? You're I the, have four. I'm one of four. You're one of four. Um, in what what order? Are I you? am the third. My little brother's eleven years younger than me. How can you not see me. the? Per- I was hoping you would say that. You're I am the, the you're, you're the third Riker. I am the third Riker. Yes, that joke has been made by my brother. My brother's the only one that's ever made that joke. Like she's the third. Reich. I'm now the second. <laughs> yeah, she's the third Riker. Um, what did he? he there's me. also a next generation joke in there too, maybe. Yes, there's definitely. We loved Commander Riker. My dad's theory. It was that, great. That was that's my favorite Star Trek, and it's mostly because of my dad, the next generation. But his theory was that they got sick of first they got sick of people not pronouncing it right or whatever, so they changed it to R I K E R to make it easier. Wow. And then, but Commander Riker does have the coloring of the Rikers. If you looked at my dad, the hair and the dark really? beard, except Commander Riker had light. Eye. Well, my dad had green eyes. So I think Amanda Riker has blue eyes. Um, but yeah, so like we're we're the ancestors of Commander Riker. There you go. I love how he gets into you ever seen the thing where they have just a compilation of him sitting in chairs? Like just because <laughs> yeah. he throws his leg over. I'm like, yes, that's that's what I'm talking about. I want a man that has that kind of confidence. Oh, here, here, walk in a room you guys won't be able to see this, but I have a friend that does uh, his impression this is my friend Dan Perez, who's not a comedian, he should be, but he's not. Um, he goes, uh, here's my impression of uh, Commander Riker walking. <laughs> I 
Yeah. It's like he has this weird sideways, <laughs> like, it's shoulder It's because he fold. takes up so much space. Yeah, and he's like... Because he's a man <laughs> that he needs to he's give... He's very manly. He's very... He's a man, but he's also... But he's giving people that space. You know what I mean? It's a good point. He's giving people that space. He's trying not to take... He's trying to... He's a man, but he's trying to take up less space. What I admire I like about it. him is that Riker, to me, has the... Just that right amount of swagger that, that uh, Kirk had... Yeah. And then the military do it by the book of Spock. Of so Spock. so they're like this hybrid and then of course uh Picard is like uh I don't even know. Like his own he's like he's like a king in a way like a wise yeah. king sort of. Yeah, Picard. Did Picard have romance entanglements on oh, the show? Oh, a couple. Yep, yeah, he yeah. did. But he was more of a relationship guy, wasn't he? Yeah. See, that's that's also He didn't where... ho- he didn't hook up in his Maybe in his younger years. So Riker don't... takes that part of him. Yeah, Cause, for sure. Because Kirk was kind of a ladies' man and a philanderer. And, uh, you know, uh, Picard is more of a relationship guy. By the way, how much penicillin do you think Bones gave out to Kirk oh, uh, so behind camera? Yeah. Oh, you did. You got it again. God uh, damn it, Jim. Put a... <laughs> Put a cover on it. God damn it, Dim. This is the third time this week See, you've got intergalactical I got like, um, I have this thing where I'm always asking those kind of questions. Like, okay, um, the obvious, all right, where did they go to the bathroom on the ship? How do they dispose of it? But, okay, if they hooked up, did, were there space condoms? Yeah, because he's hooking or up with strange aliens. Did, yeah, he, you don't know Green what. women. Right. What if the alien itself is a virus? Yeah, what if her but, vagina is just acid to your penis? You know what I mean? You don't uh, know. You just stick it in there and your penis yeah. melts off. You have no idea. Right. So there has to be some kind of uh, protocol. And how, how come all these how come all this these different aliens like still have how come all these aliens still have vaginas? You think they would have evolved to something better than a vagina? What? I know, there's vaginas are than... There's nothing better than God. a vagina. A See, vagina. now that, that's an interesting concept right there, because I've thought about that too. There's a lot of Why? maintenance and but care to vaginas. I, I mean, I understand, but like the whole, the, philosophically, the whole notion that, that we're like in this evolutionary step, and they say that the next step is like, well, now we become, the higher level is asexual and we look like aliens or something. I'm like, why do you automatically assume that that would be better? Well, or what if that it's just we are what we are? I quit caring about sex for three or four months. I thought it was my antidepressants, but then I got divorced, and it turns out you've heard my. I don't want to fuck my. I didn't want to fuck my husband, but I seriously thought well, that maybe different... I'd lost my sex drive, and I loved it. I love not having to think about it. I will. So, oh yeah, I will say this: I'm 51 now. My ovaries die. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I will say this, my libido has, you know, kind of tapered off. It leaves and, more space in your head. Well, right. There's a whole chapter in, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. And, and in the middle of the book, there's a chapter called Sexual Transmigration. And the point that he makes is that men in particular, he wrote it in the 40s. So, yeah. You know, but I think this applies to women. He's like, at that time, men in their late 50s, 60s, and into 70s, all of a sudden just took off like a rocket in their creative talents and success and just um, everything improved after that point. And then he concluded that, oh, it's because with the hormones and the sexual conquests and the spilling of essential energy, you might say, 
with that out of the way, now all of your resources go to creativity. So in yes. the book, he uses that to say to guys, especially, hey, um, go without for like 30, 60 days and watch the results. Um, well, I've never made it past two days, but... Yeah. Um, I've also, like, I noticed I have more gray hair, I'm getting older, and I've heard a lot of older women talk about how you become invisible when you get older because you just, you're not... Like, when I go out, I'm no longer in the forefront of the men hunting for pussies' minds. See, there's where I... I so I'm excited may, for maybe, that to maybe, happen Maybe more. I'm the exception there, because that's... Well, the majority. <laughs> that's, my wheel, that's my wheelhouse. That's, yeah, that's older men. Older that's ladies than me. No, yeah. Like, there are still exceptions, so you're not completely invisible, but you well, know what I'm talking about. Like, the, the Wayne McCrackens of the world. Not that the Wayne McCrackens of the world really ever noticed me that much anyway, but... The, I see what you're saying, though. But the Wayne McCrackens of the world that happen to be into big girls aren't bothering me anymore because I'm getting older. And I think part of it is, too, because a lot of people that... A lot of these men that are... Not that Wayne McCracken's a fucking... He's never assaulted anybody. He's just annoying. But, you know, the ones <laughs> that are predators, that are looking for victims, they see me and I'm not... I'm not prey anymore because they're like, no, she's older and knows... She's going to know all my... That shit ain't going to yeah, work on yeah, her. Yeah, there's that intuitive yeah, understanding. That shit's yeah. not going to work on right. her. So they're going to fuck with these young girls that don't know any better. They haven't learned the lessons I've learned, you know? Right. And so I, there, there's... It just... Nobody hits on me anymore. Nobody tries to fuck me anymore. Nobody... Like in public. Uh, nobody cat calls me anymore. Um, it's amazing. It's great. I love it. Yeah, uh, please a, ignore me. I think I asked <laughs> you last year a couple times. and uh, But again, I think... Uh, why do I do that? I'm always like, oh, but here's the exception. But then you pointed out to me that, yeah, but you took no for, a, for an answer. You took answer. no for yeah. an answer. Well, I wasn't, I didn't tell you no. At first I had a boyfriend. And then I'm, but that was because you lived here and I didn't live here. And then I, oh, then yeah, I yeah. moved here and I was like, never mind. I live here now. So fucking, we can't fuck around. Right. And then I'm like, oh yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah. I, I don't fuck around with people. Especially because we're scene. at the same mics every night. Yeah, we're this, we see each other all the yeah, fucking time. Right. And what if I end up liking you? I mean, I'm not saying that I would, but if, if I did. Well, I am if, a likable If I uh, ended up having an emotional <laughs> connection to you that you didn't have back to me, you're going to piss me off and then I get petty. And you, we just don't need to go through all that. Right. I'll eventually come back around to liking you again and you could be my friend, but we've been gone through this period where I hate you. And we don't need to do that it's just if if somebody really oh, wants, I, didn't, I didn't know you ever hated me i never hated you because you said okay oh you're you mean in the grandest yes. sense that's you, what i happen. never hated you because we had a conversation and i said look good point i get emotional sometimes and like when i lived in nebraska and you lived here seeing you just when i came to town and fucking around is one thing but i'm gonna fuck around with you on a regular basis plus see you at mike's three four times a week yeah either yeah i'm Plus, I get needy too yeah, sometimes. Yeah, the risk you know? <laughs> of me having the risk of me having an emotional reaction is high. I will throw a tantrum. I'll throw a tantrum and then I'll block you and then I'll hate you for a oh, while. Right, right. And I'll come back around to liking you again, though. I mean, then right. everything would be fine. But we we didn't have to do all that because you're a grown ass fucking man that said, you know what? <laughs> I shouldn't fuck with this. Yeah. Like this is this is a bad idea. And we were able to have that conversation, whereas right. a lot of men would just tell me what I wanted to hear to get into my pants and deal with the fucking ramifications later. And, and again, that might be a function of just that, men yeah, being younger. And they have, again, they haven't gone through enough stuff to really, really know who they are yet. And so then, that again, that becomes the thing that they think they have to chase or they're driven yeah. to chase. And again, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm know-it-all, just, uh, just my opinion, but like... 
Well, I think there's a certain sect of men that need to hear this shit. But then once, I think once you find more of yourself, then you realize, oh, you know what, yeah, because I also don't want to compromise how I see my future. Yeah. And half the time, they don't even realize that, like, us guys can trick ourselves into thinking that, like, uh, oh, my God, that girl, uh, that, that pretty girl, like... She's flirting with me. Oh my god! And you feel so good on that yeah. that then, but you lose your discernment then, because mm-hmm. what if what if you and that pretty girl are, and and my problem is I <laughs> maybe this is a function of my age too, and that in I don't know about twelve years ago I started letting the letting myself letting my hair down. I hooked up. That's when yeah. I became a slut. Well, here's the point: by opening that door, like. Every girl's a, like I <laughs> like I'm attracted to any shape, size, ethnicity now. And I think when I was 20, I had like it, it was like three prototypes. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is that even that being said, it like a, a really very pretty, hot, big girl or petite girl, I'm still very visual, and so it's it's very easy to. Um, oh my god, I'm getting attention from this woman I'm attracted to. And then I shut off my questions like, well, wait, what if we don't have the same values? You don't see or, the red flags. Yeah, or we don't. Oh, yeah, I've missed a lot of red flags. So before. many red flags. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, well, here's a big one. You know my joke about the red flag thing. Yeah. But that's a total kind of yeah. like misdirection. The, the real truth in that situation is that this girl just admitted to me that she was maybe three weeks out of like a major crack cocaine addiction. That's and a red flag. That's a big red flag. Huge red flag. Oh, and in the kind of the heat of trying to get away from that and those people, she left her kids in the care of her ex-husband who is a fellow current crackhead oh. at the time to come to Colorado. And, um, and it's like, yeah, maybe... The, if I had had my head screwed on better at the time, I would have I think done abandoning that. her children is a huge red flag. Yeah. If she can abandon her children, she'll abandon you. Well, that's what happened. So. Yeah. <laughs> if a woman, uh, if a parent can abandon their child, they can abandon you. Or, oh, here, here's another one. Right away, so I get that right up front. The second thing was that um, I noticed that, uh, well, didn't notice, but looking back, now, yeah. now see it. She shit-talked mercilessly all her previous exes. That's a huge thing but for me But you're different. But, Jeff, you're That's different. That's a huge thing for me okay. now. Well, that means that you're going to become the next one they shit-talk yes. against. Yes. Like, and I, I don't shit-talk every ex I have, but a lot of them. Every long-term ex I have, I shit-talk. I realize but that now I'm shit-talking her. Um, you are. Although right. I'm not naming her. Um, Let's we, call her Peggy. <laughs> Peggy. Yeah. I do have to meet the owner of this place oh, that's right. real quick. Okay. I'll start this back up when we get in the car, though. Might as well oh, okay. record the talk on the way home.